So I want to simply talk about something today. Um, it's not simple. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit and um, what we need as a body. But as I always do when Adam asked me to do, you know, two weeks in a row was a little much, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> it was like, okay, it was pushing me. But, um, but I do always want to declare God's goodness and mercy, so I am not complaining in any way. Lord Jesus, I am not. But I like to spend a lot of time in prayer, you know, before I do. I like to really seek him to find out what's the heart, what's the word of the Lord, right, like Tom does before he gets up here every Sunday and reads the word. It's not just, doesn't come lightly. He prepares for, he, prepare, he prepares his heart. Stop it, Annie. So in that, in saying that, I felt that he did give me a word. But before I get to it, it's in Ezekiel. I want to read a little bit about the Holy Spirit, showing that he truly is represented in the Bible as a living a water. He's like a stream. He's like a flood, right? We know that. So that when we come to Ezekiel, we won't say, well, you know, is that shadow and type right? Is, that, is he talking about the Spirit of God? I believe he really is. So let's pray before we start, right? Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are known in your courts. It's an amazing thing to say, but we, your children, are known in your courts, and it's where your river flows, and we don't have to wait for the scepter to be reached out to us and say, what is your request? Because the blood of Jesus has already done that for us, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cross, Jesus. We thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. And now as we come in your courts and we ask for you to feed us, we ask for you to lead us, we ask for your word to come alive in us and that your glory, only you would get the glory, Lord. We can do nothing without you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are known in the courts of God. So I want to highlight just a few scriptures before we get to... Um, this isn't double-sided, don't worry, it's not going to be, be long, although I know it usually is, sorry. But the Bible says this, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. That scripture alone should set us in place of where we push away our anxiety, we push away trying to do something, we, we push away the, the frustrations that we come into when we're believing God, right, to, to fix something, to do something, to answer our prayers. We've all been there. We're filled with faith, and, the, you know, and then the, the battle keeps going and going and going. Before you know it, we lose heart you know, as, as the time goes on. But he says usually when that happens, it's because we are really trusting in our might, and we're trusting in our power and our ability to move something that we can't move. So we have to know that he is the one that has the power. He is the promised one. All through the word, we see his hand of discipline and his hand of power. So the spirit comes not just to discipline. Thank God for that. Thank God he shows us, and he shows us those areas in our life that aren't pleasing to him. We always have to bring our heart before him for those things, not just the wants, not just his power. We don't want to be like what happened in the uh, days of the charismatic movement. They wanted his power, which they should have, but they didn't give themselves to the, the character of God, right? They didn't give themselves to the discipline, and then and they lost a few things back then. But it doesn't mean we can't regain them. Because we come to the Lord and we ask him, Lord, just adjust us, show us. What is your plan, your covenant plan? Let it be done in my life. He comes in times of darkness to rescue, save, and to, del and to deliver. And we need to remember that because if you're going through a hard time, as Adam was even praying, there's times that you go through something, and it's a, it's a long duration, right? It's, a, it's an endurance. It's a race. Uh, it's really a marathon, as they say. You know, you're continuing on, and it gets darker. We need to understand that it's okay that it's darker. It's okay that it's hopeless because the Bible says in John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot ever extinguish it. He came at a dark time. 
The Lord Jesus came at the right time, and it was a dark time. The darkness cannot comprehend his power, cannot overcome the light of his presence. The light of his glory and power cannot be extinguished. Never forget that. We can choose to put it out. We can choose not to believe. We don't want to do that. But it cannot be extinguished by any other force, any other force, no demonic force, nobody around you, nobody in your family, no co-worker, no situation. Anything that happens cannot extinguish what the light of God is going to do in his presence. The light of his glory and power cannot be extinguished. Any darkness we find in our lives, the darkness in the times we live, will not overcome us and cannot extinguish that the Lord desires to accomplish, which his desire is his glory in our life. So we can do nothing on our own. We come to him, we cry out to him, we press into him. We don't just sit back passively, but we cry out to him, or we keep coming to him, we keep having a relationship with him because we love him. And then he does the miracles. Only he can open the eyes of the blind. He's the only one that can heal the sick. He delivers the tormented. He saves, he saves the lost. He cannot open. He can, we cannot save anybody. Sometimes people preach too much to each other, and we need to live the life of Christ, right? Sometimes we worry too much, and we need to rest in his healing, in his healing power. But we need to do this in his strength. We grab hold of his strength, but always in peace, because his spirit will be faithful to the word bringing the victory. We might say that we already know these things. When I was writing this up, I thought, well, I, they, they, we all know these things, right? Everybody's going to say, I know this. But I don't think, I think that there's more to know. There's more to accomplish in the, in the Holy Spirit, his power, right? There's always more, like you were praying. There's always more of him. We want more of him. The shepherd brings us to a place of rest, and the Holy Spirit's presence displays the fruit. And that's what he's after in our life. So this morning, we are going to focus on his spirit, that it's not by might or by power. The word says about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 51, 1, 55, 1, sorry. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come and buy and eat. This invitation is for everyone and the promises that are attached to him. Rivers of life, abundance, he is the God of more than enough. When we said yes to Jesus, he gave us his spirit, the spirit of the Father, living waters, and that's how we thirst no more. We can't buy it, we can't earn it, we know it. But why do we thirst sometimes? Why do we continue to feel empty? In John 7:37, in the New American Standard, it says, Now on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, the Spirit that was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. So he refers to his Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, as rivers of living water that comes up out of us, right? The last day of the great feast was the Feast of Tabernacle, and if you had been there that day, if we had the privilege of being there that day, we would know that it was an eight-day feast. And on the eighth day, the priests, the Levites, would go down to the, the Pool of Shil Siloam. I always want to say Shalom. And they would fill it. This was their ritual. They would fill it with water. It was a solemn feast. Prior to that, it was festivity and the happiness, and they celebrated in the eighth. And the eighth day was very solemn because they were remembering all that he provided for them in the past and all that they would provide for him in the future, right? So they would take the, the water, march back up to the altar, and pour the water out. And when they poured the water out, they would, they would remember that the Messiah is coming. And it was at that exact moment. When we realize it, the, the scripture really comes alive because it was at that exact moment that Jesus himself stood there and he said, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Is That was a proclamation that the Jews understood. We just read it. We think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'd like a little lemonade, right? 
But he was saying, I am the Messiah. I am the one who's going to give you living water that you'll never thirst again. It's an amazing scripture. The one who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he said in reference to the spirit whom those who had believed. It was in reference to the spirit, these living waters. He, just, he declared the fulfillment, fulfillment of who he is. The Holy Spirit would be evidence in the lives of those who believed that his claims were true. One out of their innermost being would come rivers of torrents of living water, life-giving water. The Holy Spirit is life-giving water. And another example we see in, in, uh, with the woman at the well. The Lord comes to her. We remember the story. I won't read the whole thing. But he sits down, and his, his guys went out to lunch, and um, he comes, they come back, and they see him talking to the Samaritan woman, which usually was not done. And in verse 10 of, of John 4, Jesus said to her, um, Oh, let me go up here. So the Samaritan woman said, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink? Jesus asks her for a drink. And then Jesus replies in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it was in you saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And it just blew her away because she was really focused on the well that she was in, proud of the well, proud of the religious state that she was in. It was, it was her father's well, right? The Samaritans and the Jews were always at odds with one another, but the Samaritans believed. They believed that Jacob dug the, that well, and he did, but there was no life in that well, right? Jesus was saying, your faith is in this well. Your faith is in this system, but I'm telling you, you will not have life without me. You are not greater than our father Jacob, she said, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I give him will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. That's pretty powerful when you really think about it. The water is going to spring up from eternal life. He's talking to a woman at a well who says in the NLT, it says, she says to him, how can you give me a drink of this, this living water? She goes, give it to me. She goes, you don't have a bucket and you don't even have a rope because she said the well was deep. And so he's saying, it doesn't matter how deep it is. You have to, you're, dig, you're putting a rope down and you're pulling up water that is so deep. But what I'm saying to you is the water is going to rise within you. The difference is, is we, don't, we don't strive for the well. We don't strive for the water. He's in us. But a lot of times we forget that. We forget that the spirit of living God is actually dwelling in us. If we really fully understood that when we walk by the sick, we would pray for them. When we walk by the, those who are, are despair and, and downcast, we would, we would give them a word from the Lord. I'm not talking about a prophetic crazy word. I'm just talking about a word of comfort one of strength. The Spirit of God wants to be released in us. So we need to be empowered by him. He freely gives us. Um, I want to move down because I don't need to read all these scriptures about the, the bubbling brook. But how powerful he's saying, the water that I give you is no longer to be drawn up by human efforts from a well of religion. I'm the Messiah and my living water will bubble up and rise in you. Speaking of salvation and the spirit of the living God flowing through the hearts of men, we can draw from a well or we can let the well spring rise up in us. Sometimes just stop trying so hard and rest in the power of the, God, of the spirit of God that's in us. You just need to sit back and say, you know what, you are with me. I am going to rest in you. You are going to do this for me. You are going to rise in me. My hope is in you. Isaiah 58 says, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give you strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden. We are called to be watered gardens. We have what people need. We have water in dry times. The spirit cannot fail. And um, so with that being said, I want to read the scripture that the Lord did give me for today, and it's found in Ezekiel 47. I won't read the, um, that one just yet. I just want to say that um, 
in Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. It is in the New American Standard I have here, I think. I always forget to look for that for Mariah because I go back and forth. But in this that we're going to read, I'm going to read through it just one time and then just go over a few things uh, that are in there, especially verse 12. But we need to remember that Ezekiel, when you read this whole passage, there's a lot of preaching that has been d done on it, and it's been really good preaching. They all, you know, fit. Who am I to say that they're not true? And I'm not seeing anything like that. I'm just going to share today what I felt the Spirit of God said to me for this church, for this body. That way, I'll say it like that. But Ezekiel never explains this vision. When you read it, he never gives an explanation for it. He never identifies the man that's talking to him. Some say that it's in the future temple in the millennial reign. But I'm going to share what the Lord showed me because the temple of the Lord are, are these living stones in this house right now. We are carrying the temple. So with that mindset, not the future reign, not the future, you know, that we're going to see, there is going to be a temple in heaven, I, I understand all that, but I believe that it's for God's people who are alive. He spoke it to Ezekiel, who, remember, was in captivity. He was in captivity, and at that time, he showed him something great in, in that time of cap captivity. So, verse 1, we'll read through it. Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south, and the altar. And he brought me out of the way, out of the, way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gate by the way of facing the east, and behold, water was spurting out from the south side. When the man went out toward the east... Basically, he's going around the temple. He sees the water coming out, and it's going downhill. That's how I would wrote it. <laughs> it makes more sense in my brain. But when the man went out toward the east with a line in his hand, he measured a 1,000 cubits, and he, and he went through the water. The water was reaching my ankles, and he measured another 1,000, and he led me through the water, and then the water was reaching my knees. And he measured another 1,000, and he led me through the water, water reaching my hips. And he measured another thousand, and it was a river that I could not wade across because the water had risen enough, enough water to swim in, a river that could not be crossed by wading. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me back to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank... Behold actually means a great surprise. When I had turned on the bank, there were many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, These waters... Go out toward the eastern region and go down into Arabah, and they go down to uh, the sea, being made to flow into the sea. The waters of the sea will become fresh, and it will come about that every living creature which swarms every place where the river goes, he will live. And there will be a very many fish, for these waters go there, and others become fresh. So every, everything will live where the river goes. And it will come about that fishermen will stand beside, from Engedi to Englem, and then they will be a place of spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds, like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And by the river on its banks, on the side, on one another, will grow all kinds of trees, all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and the fruit will be for food and for leaves will be for healing. And that's all Ezekiel had to say about that. When we just read right through it, we can miss the power, I believe, of what the Lord is showing us. That for the Lord, first of all, nothing's impossible. 
I believe that we're living in days that the Lord wants us to believe that the impossible will become possible, that those who are sick will be healed, that those who have been tormented for a long time will be healed. Why shouldn't we say that with confidence, right? When the Lord shows us that, we have to hold on to it, we have to stand on it, we have to believe in it. We have to believe that when he said the Spirit of God would flow through us and many things would happen miraculously, that the waters are going to flow, we need to know that in salt water can become fresh. That's not possible. It's not possible without the presence of God and the water that flows from him. And if you've been to the Dead Sea, you understand that nothing lives there. A few microorganisms, but not much. And actually, right now, for the last four years, it has been happening that the waters are becoming fresh, but we'll get into that on a Tuesday night to show the truth about this scripture that's being fulfilled even now in our time. But we need to know today what I believe the Lord is saying, that we still, again, should not be discouraged. He is our shepherd. Like Adam said, the Lord is walking with us in this year. I wrote down something you said in prayer because it was so good. I think I'll read it right now because it was really good and it was the heart of the message. He's always with us. But there are special appointed times when, he, when the Spirit flows, like a mighty river bringing life wherever it goes. It was amazing to me when you read that, because the Lord is saying, we might be a little dull of mind now, maybe we just don't grab hold of it. I'm not calling you guys dull of mind, I'm talking about myself. But he wants us to understand the magnitude that when he says he's going to do something, that we are going to be a well-watered garden. It actually is going to happen, and we need to encourage each other with that. He's the God of the impossible. He, told, he turned a wilderness into a watered garden. He filled, he filled the Dead Sea with life. So he will do for us in our lives. Now it says, verse 1, I'm just going to go through them a little bit. He brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, the water was flowing from under the threshold toward the east where, where it had faced. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from the south of the, south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and outside the other way by the, face, by the facing the east. And behold, water was spurting out from the south side. It just had start to flow. So the river of healing started from the temple, and that's all we need to know. The river starts from the temple. The Spirit of God is the one. He is the power source of everything, and it's God's choice at appointed times to have this happen. We've seen it all through history. There's been times that the Spirit of God just came, and there was movements, and then there was dryness. You can't, in those dryness, you can't make a movement. You just keep pressing on. You keep doing what you're going to do. But I believe we're entering in a time where the Lord wants to show himself strong. He wants to see his body filled with his glorious Spirit that will change us forever. So the river of the healing started from the temple, flowing from the temple. The power of this river comes from the throne of God. He doesn't sit idly by. He hears us when we cry, and he prepares to answer. When his spirit is poured out, men's hearts are quickened. In the dryness of their soul, hope leaps, leaps out from their spirit. We've seen the evidence of this in any kind of move. You know, the move, I think it was uh, uh, during the Welsh revival, they said that the, the men swore so much in those days, it was just bars and swearing and cursing and, and, and the like, that when they gave, they were minors, and when they gave directives to the mules that they were working, the mules only understood the words that they were no longer cursing. So they, also, they had to be retrained because these men had been re, re, redeemed, right? They had been transformed, and they no longer used that language, so they couldn't even direct their mules anymore. I thought that was pretty powerful. So hopefully when he touches us, our language changes. We go from negativity, right, to the, to the power of God to declare who he is. We go from being downhearted and downcast to saying my eyes are lifted up, right? When the Spirit of God touches us, that's what happens in us, and that's what should happen. So um, 
when the Lord, I remember once going into a church I was invited to, and I was going through actually at that time a hard time. And when I walked in, the pastor who was going to be preaching walked by. And when he walked by, he didn't talk to me, but I felt a leap in my spirit. I'm telling you, a leap. And I had been going from uh, faith to faith to hopelessness to hopelessness. You know how that happens? And so in that place of hopelessness, somebody invited me to a church service. And when I walked in, when he walked by, now was that man God? No, but he was carrying the spirit of the living God. And when he preached the message, it was like right to my heart. That's the spirit of God. Something leaps inside of us. It's like this. When Mary was three months pregnant, she went to see Elizabeth, who herself was carrying John the Baptist. It says in Luke 141, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is so powerful. I mean, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Her, her life, that moment, changed. She was already excited. She already knew it was a supernatural act, but now she was filled with the Spirit of the living God, equipped to raise this John the Baptist, right? Equipped to hear from God. In the presence of this woman, Mary, carrying the Messiah, who at that time was only three months old. Don't tell me babies aren't alive, right? In this little, in this little fetus state, the Messiah was in her womb. And even in her womb, he carried that power. The smallest, the smallest degree of Jesus will change your life. And he'll expound on it. And you'll grow, you'll grow and grow and grow in the grace and mercy and knowledge of God if we continue seeking him. So the baby leaped in the presence of this woman carrying Messiah, only three months pregnant. The Holy Spirit came upon Elizabeth and John. The river was flowing. Mary was carrier, the carrier of Christ, but we are also carriers of Christ. We need to be the carriers of Christ that are seeking him in our prayer closet, not just for ourselves, but we're just saying, Lord, we need you. Do it again. I kept thinking of that song. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Jimmy had a song on the other day, and I don't remember the name of it. He will. But in the words, basically, he's, they're saying, I need the God of Moses. I need the God of David. I need, right, I need the, the God of the Holy Spirit. And he said, just do it again, basically. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Moses. I'm calling on the God of David. Yes, God, you are the same God. You are healer. You are my healer. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit, almighty, powerful river, come and fill me again. And so it's at these times that we continue to cry out to the Lord, and we keep going and going, and one day, you know what? The river is going to flow. It's guaranteed, and I believe it's not too far away. So we are carriers of Christ. We serve a mighty God who will once again send his spirit as he has done in the past. He will ignite us again and satisfy the hungry. It doesn't matter how you feel right now, especially those of you who are fasting. You're all like half dead this morning. I mean, we're all like, you know, just give me a banana, anything. My brain cells feel like they've shrunk. But, you know, it doesn't matter because even in our fasting, he's with us. He's about to answer us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to increase his presence in us. We just can't say, oh, I've heard that before. It's not going to happen because you'll be very surprised when the water takes you down. Evan Roberts, I said about him already. Evan Roberts had prayed and fasted for four years. He wrote in his journal the day before, the day before the Spirit of God hit him, he wrote, I have built the altar and, I, and leave. This is 1904. He wrote it like this. I have built the altar and leave the wood in order. He placed down everything he, God needed. And he said, I have prepared the offering. I have only to wait for the fire. The Holy Spirit is represented in water, 
and he's represented in fire, right? He comes both ways. And so it said the next day, he, had, he went to a, a service in a small ch church in Wales. He said, I don't remember anything that was preached except the words of the Lord said. He said the preacher was preaching, preaching, preaching. Maybe he thinks of you for a Tuesday night. And all he started to say was he used the word bend me in his service. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hit Evan Roberts, who felt very uncomfortable in the second row because we're all shy, right, and don't want to, you know, make a peep. And all he just started saying, bend me, Lord. He just kept saying that over and over. Who would think that that one was the key to unlock his life? And the Spirit of God was going to flow. He kept saying, bend me, Lord, bend me, Lord, bend me, Lord. And the louder he said it, the more the presence of God increased, and people were baptized in the Spirit, and the great revival hit, as we know. And many people, nations, were saved from that one outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it was a moment of time, like Adam said in prayer. It was a moment of time that God just says, I'm going to come right now. I'm going to touch you now. I know you're, you're okay. I know you're the sheep of my pasture, but we need the Spirit of God in these last days. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. So when the man, when the man in verse 3, when the man went out toward the east with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he led him through the water, reaching his ankles, and we know it goes to his knees, and it went to his hips. And again, he measured a 1,000, and he said you couldn't even walk across it anymore. It would just was overtaking him. So when the water is to our ankles, we can still walk through. This is what the Lord put on my heart. When the, water's, when the water's to our ankles, we can still walk through. There's still a lot of us within the Spirit of God touching us in the, in the baptism, right? When it's to our knees, we know that we can still use the power of our legs. But when it comes to our waist and then to our necks, we no longer can walk in our own strength. We are weightless in the water and start to swim. I think this is an amazing picture of not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jeremiah says, if you're going to boast in anything in the day that you live, boast that you know me. Boast that my, your strength is found in me. Just tell others of what I've done. The Lord wants to pour upon his children again in our time. He wants us to yield to him, trust in him, relying on the gift that he has sent to, to us. The gift is in it. He just wants us ignited. The, the, uh, the apostles, when they, were, when they were baptized in chapter 2, it didn't end there. Chapter 4, they were baptized again. You know, they were like, oh, you know, now they're going to take our life. So what did they do? They said, they said, Lord, we need your boldness. The Holy Spirit, it says, came upon them, gave them great boldness. We can only be bold from the Lord. We can only speak because of the Lord. We, anything we do, you can only preach, right, because of the Spirit of the living God. And so we need more of that. We need it to be released for us. So the, the rising of the water displays the great power Faith rises, expectancy rises, and the Almighty One will move this year, I believe, in his power as we continue to come to him. In verse 6, it says, he said, Son of man, have you seen this? And it's funny that he would even have to ask that question. He probably was excited himself. I believe, like, it's probably an angel, or maybe it was the Lord himself. But he's probably excited to show him that. And you're like, you turn to your child, you, brought, you gave him this greatest gift, and you're like, you don't you like it? Do you see it? Do you understand, do you understand what you have, what I've given you, right? He said, son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. So now he goes back to where he was. Um, and now when I returned, behold, the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, these waters that go toward the eastern region go down into Arabah, into the desert where, where he's saying, and down to the great sea. And verse 9 says this, and it will come about. This is so powerful. You should outline it and make it bold in your mind. And it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. That's really powerful. Wherever the spirit of the living God goes, they will have life. And there will be very many fish. 
for those waters, for these waters go there and others become fresh. So everything will live where the water, where the river goes. He asked the man, do you see this? And are you watching the transformation? And do you perceive what you are seeing? Do you understand what I'm trying to show you? Are you watching the impossible turn possible? Right before he, uh, his eyes, he was a man again in captivity. He was in exile, and he has this vision. And right before his eyes, he sees the impossible turn possible. And those are the things the Lord wants to show us. Believe that this is true. Long-standing issues will change by his spirit and by our yielding to him. I don't care how long you've gone through something, it will change. The water flowed through the driest region, region, pouring into the deadest sea. When Ezekiel stepped out of the water and onto the bank, it was not how it had been. It was drenched with the river of life and produced instantly. The hope for us is this. There is nothing, again, nothing that he cannot bring back to life. There is no one so hopeless, nothing dead and hopeless that he cannot raise back to life. He quickens the dead. He even gives back what the enemy has robbed and stolen, right? He gives you back your confidence. He gives you back, he gives you back where you had pain. He gives you back what you have lost. He restores everything. You don't see it right away, but when you look back at your life, all you can do is rejoice that the Lord has done such great things for you. The wastelands that we might find ourselves in, the dry places, the lack of abundant life. One of my greatest struggles sometimes for me always was like, Lord, do I love you enough? Am I seeking you enough? I feel dry. I'm always seeking him. Like, I don't like that dry feeling. I don't like, I don't like it. And I know it's just a feeling, but I know what, it's, what it feels like to be filled with the glory of God. I know what it feels like. And so once you've tust, uh, tasted it, it's hard to go back to anything else. And he makes it a prayer in your heart. Do it again. You're like, do it again. Do it for me. Do it in the church. Do it for your people. So verse 9, it says, and it will become about that every living creature which, which swarms in every place uh, goes, they will have life in the river. We cannot give to others what we don't have. We need to be filled with his life. Stay in the river that flows from the throne. The river comes from the throne. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from, from a revival. It's the spirit of God coming out of his house out of the courts and just saying, open the gates because I'm about to touch the earth like I've never touched it before. That said, the Bible says in the last days that his glory will be seen throughout the earth. And that's a promise. I don't believe it's for, for after the rapture. I believe it's before the rapture. Some people are in the rapture, right? And that glory, I believe, is going to be seen through his servants, through Lena, through TJ, through John, through Mariah, all of his people, one by one, touching other people. We are filled with the Spirit. We touch other people, right? As we're touching other people and sharing his goodness, his mercy, and his life, then they are changed, right? Their salt turns into fresh water, and then they go out, and that's just how it works. And so the Lord is going to do it again, and he knows he needs to touch us. Verse 10. It will come about that the fishermen will stand beside it. From Engedi to Anglim, there will be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish will be according to their kind, and the fish from the great sea were, are very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for the salt. And what does Jesus say? I will make you fishers of men. It used to bother me when I would hear about, you know, having to testify when I was first saved. 
I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to knock on doors. I thought that was weird. But I would, so I found that scripture, and he says to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. So he taught me how to fish, and it wasn't by knocking on a door. He had something different for me. All you have to do is tell people, I'm good at talking, you know, to other people. So just tell people what I did for you. You don't seem to care what they think, so just tell them. And so it became easy, really, for me. And I didn't have to fall in the mold of, you know, what somebody else was doing. We just have to be who God's called us to be. Where the spirit flows um, from, his, from his throne, it's time to gather the fish. They will jump in your nets. I'm telling you, when the spirit of God comes, you know, I find sometimes through fasting, I've said this on a Tuesday night, after fasting, the same person I've talked to forever at work, all of a sudden comes up and there's an open door. The veil's removed, their eyes are open, their heart wants to see. Because God did, the spirit of God did something. He sees us fasting, he sees us coming, so he goes and removes those things that we can't see. You know, he is the one who does it. We just work with him. And it's the greatest thing. Um, this is the, the scripture that the Lord really highlighted to me. And it's the last one. I have it written out in the Berrien Standard Bible. Verse 12. Along both banks of the river, fruit trees of all kinds will grow. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. I'm looking for the day when in the church people don't dry up and leave. You know what I'm saying? People don't get weary. People don't get tired and just say, you know, I'll just live the rest of my days um, just retired and, you know, going on vacation. And God is good. You know, there should be a vibrancy of life within inside of us, a vibrant life. So the rivers, um, their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fruit. There's a continuation of continuation is that a word a fruit there's fruit that flows all the time it's ready to be picked it's not just say hell i remember i led somebody to the lord oh when was that i think it was like 1977 you know what i mean every month every month we have a testimony hopefully every week every day hopefully every tuesday but they'll bear fruit because the water this was the key because the water from the sanctuary flows to them we have to understand the water from the sanctuary is flowing to us God wants us filled with his spirit. He wants us refreshed. He wants to lead us beside still waters. This is his goal. He doesn't want to just wait till we die and take us home. He wants to see this vibrant, living, rushing river moving through our life. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for healing. So the fruit that we gain isn't even for ourselves. The fruit that comes is the other people, other, other, you know, just continues, right? You touch somebody, they get saved. They some, touch somebody you can't save. They go, do, they're a missionary someplace that you can't go. And so, so the fruit and the healing continues to grow because Jesus Christ himself is healing, right? He is healing. He is our fruit. The vision starts with the water flowing from the door of the temple and ends the same way. The spirit of God coming upon us again because the cries of his children are one of hunger and thirst. They're desperate for healing and deliverance. Sometimes we are, we don't even know it. God answers the cry of our heart. We don't even understand that we're crying out sometimes. You know, we don't understand that we're drying up even sometimes. The vision starts with the water flowing from the door of the temple, and it ends up the same way. The Spirit of God coming upon us because the cries of his children are one of hunger and thirst. They're desperate for healing and deliverance and desperate for the living God. I believe the Lord showed me that in this, in his people, his remnant, this church, dripping with fruit and healing for the harvest of souls are about to take place. And they are, we are going to drink from the rivers of water that flow from his throne. 
Those who stay the course, those that continue to come to him, will never be disappointed. Those that come to the Lord will never be disappointed. They'll never be ashamed. Those that seek him in their spirit, not just in their mind. You know, we get too intellectual sometimes. I'm glad that I'm not an intellect <laughs> because what I understand is what God has done for me. I understand that the Lord is love. I know that God is filled with power, and he's going to do that in our life. Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty, but the water that I give him will become a fountain of water springing up to a, a eternal life. It will become. That always gave me hope. I would read the word as a new believer, and I would just feel like I fell so short. So these kinds of scriptures always encouraged me because it said will become. I grabbed on to that word. I will become. I'm not there yet but I will become. His life in me will become greater and greater. The waters will get deeper and deeper. They'll go from your ankles. They'll go to your knees. They'll go to your waist and to your neck. So you're swimming in the river of life, right? That you're waiting for the spirit of God to move through you. We have a well springing up in us. It's an artesian well, which is a well that has a subterranean pressure that causes it to flow constantly, constantly and increases. Subterranean down in the depths of the soul of Almighty God. That's the pressure, the Holy Spirit. That's an artesian well coming up out of us. We don't have to draw water out like the woman at the well. We don't have to draw it out. We don't have to work so hard. It rises up out of us. It's not by might nor by power. You might feel dry, but when you look back like Ezekiel, you'll see the result of his presence. You'll see the fruit of the trees on either side, the desert springing into a spring of garden. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus come alive. He opens the eyes he opens our eyes to the beauty of the Lord, and he will, open the eyes of the, he will open the eyes of the Lord and reveal Jesus. We pray only that the Spirit, we, sorry, we pray, comma, I didn't put that in there. We pray, we do the praying, but only the Spirit can open the hearts of men. Don't get discouraged that those that you're praying for haven't changed. He is moving on their life. He is the only one that can do it. You pray and then you just thank the Spirit of God that he's going places that you can't go, and you will see a result. We pray, and the Lord does it. The Spirit of God does it. The Spirit in us reminds us of him. He reveals his power and anoints his servants to do greater works. The Spirit in us shows us how to pray. It's not a one prayer fits all. He will give us the insight, discernment, and the word of fire to break down the walls and to set the captives free because there's a walls around every heart that is not free in Jesus. The spirit of God working through his children, bringing his glory to the whole earth. I know that the promises still stands. I know that they still stand. His faithfulness is for us today and are increasing. I know the spirit from Pentecost till now is a wellspring, the Holy Spirit that quickens everything it touches, ever increasing flow. It doesn't stop in dark times or confusing times. You should expect it even more. The Spirit of God is the one who has given us his, this victorious life and the ability to declare him. It's the Spirit of the Lord upon us that makes the difference. The rivers that Ezekiel saw were flowing into a desert, and then the, the deadiest, the deadest sea of all, the deadest one, filled with salt, a place where fish cannot live. No plant life on the banks, nothing edible to eat, no foliage, no trees. And yet, when the man said to him, what do you see? That's what he saw. He saw a garden. He saw life. He saw fruit. And the Lord wants us to be those people that when the Spirit of God touches us, and he is going to touch us and he has been touching us, but expect a greater flow of the river that we are going to look and we are going to see trees on every side, right? We're going to see the hand of God. We're going to see what he's done. We're going to see the riches, richness of his life within us and those that we've been seeking him for. We need to expect it. The Lord wants us to have expectancy, great expectancy, right? 
But don't be discouraged if your faith has waned. I was reading a scripture the other day. Was remind, I, the Lord reminded me of it because we have to have faith to please him, right? But sometimes we can struggle that we don't have enough faith. And I always think about the man in the book of Mark where Jesus was up with a few of his guys and his disciples were trying to deliver this one of a demon. But they couldn't do it. His son was getting thrown into the fire and into the water and trying to get drowned. And so Jesus comes back on the scene and he says, you know, where's your faith? How long do I have to be with you guys? How is, how is it that this has not happened? So he says to the father, how long has this been happening? And the father, and the father answers Jesus. But he says, he says to the Lord, he goes, if you can help us. He goes to Jesus, if you can help us, could you just free my son? And Jesus, this is how I picture it. Jesus turns because he, actually what he says to him is, if I can. You know what I mean? You know, I just, I love that verse. He goes, if I can? Like, are you kidding? You're talking to the almighty God. And he says, if you can. So immediately the father goes, he goes, well, Jesus goes, if I can, if you believe all things are possible for you. So when we see that, we sometimes strive to have enough faith, right? Enough power to see God move. But what the father said was, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Isn't that powerful? And we can all say, I do believe, but there's areas where I do need to believe more. Can you help me with that? He's the shepherd. He will help us with that. He will increase our faith. We just have to say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm in the waters right up to the ankle right now, but I'll stay there until, until you know, I get a little stronger, and then I'll, I'll go further, and he will push you further. So don't be discouraged. Um, he was greatly surprised. And I want to share, um, in ending, I want to share a testimony that actually to me it was just amazing Friday morning or Saturday morning I don't remember now but I woke up early because I it was like the Lord shook me awake but he reminded me of a testimony from 40 years ago and it wasn't my testimony it was a testimony I heard and I I don't even remember the girl's name but I was friends with her isn't that sad <laughs> in a short time but it was a time where I believe the spirit moved in the 70s Jimmy and I would go to a uh, Catholic Church, they were having revival meetings. We didn't go to the church, but they were having meetings, spirit-filled meetings, and, and uh, there was like a charismatic move of God happening. And you don't realize how powerful it was till so you come out of it and you see what we have today. There was power there. And we would go, and the music was good, and I just, I loved going. And then they had, they had classes on how to be filled with the Spirit of God, and, and him and I and our friend Charlie and his wife, we'd go, and it was really a time in God. But what happened was the hierarchy of the church closed it down obviously, that happens. But my point in saying that about the church, nothing can stop the move of the Spirit. The people that flooded out of that place, they just went to different places. You know, someone, we went to the Nazarene Church, other, others went to different places, but I know a lot of them today that are still serving the Lord and filled with his fire and his Spirit, which is really exciting. So there, there was a time, so I was in the Nazarene Church, and I was probably in my early 20s, and the girl there was the same, and so she comes in, and the pastor asked her to share her testimony. How did you get saved? So um, I was happy for her, too, because I wouldn't talk in public. So she shares her testimony. I never forgot it. He woke me up with the memory of this testimony like it was yesterday. So what happened was, this part I don't remember if she was driving or walking, but she was in the village of Fishkill, probably walking. It's so congested there. And so as she was walking by, she said she saw a house, uh, and it was an apartment. There was a wreath on the door. That's how she knew it was a house instead of a, you know, business. And when she walked by, she stopped, and she was drawn to this house. So she stops, and she's like, what am I doing? You know, how you, how you would. All of a sudden, she said, this drawing came to me, and I found myself going to this house. By the time I get 
walk up to the steps of the, of the door, I'm crying and I'm weeping and I don't know what's the matter with me. She goes, prior to that, I was in my right mind. I was, you know, she's, I'm just walking, I'm on a mission and I see this, I come by this house and this drawing pulls me and I know I have to go there. So now by faith, she has to knock on the door and she's a sobbing mess and she's thinking, who's going to answer the door? What am I doing? What's happening to me? She knocks on the door and the two people open the door, a husband and wife, and she starts to cry and she goes, I don't know what's happening to me. And so the woman and the man had been praying and seeking the Lord. They were part of the, I think, the Nazarene church at the time and the different churches in the area. People were praying, crying out to God, but there was a move of God. That's my point. We don't see it happening every day, right? But when the Spirit of God comes, like you said, when the Spirit of God comes, it's an appointed time. We don't understand it, but he comes. So he reminds me of this testimony. And so she goes in there. She gives her life to Christ. She becomes saved and filled with the Spirit of God. That is the Spirit of God doing his work. We can knock on doors and share the gospel, but when people knock on our doors, the Spirit of God is moving. And I believe we can believe for those things again. I believe that the Spirit of God wants to move that way. He does the work. He, he'll, they'll come to you. That's what he did. They were spilled out, right? When the, when the disciples, when the apostles were thrown into the streets, they were hiding, but now they're filled with the Spirit of God, and now they're preaching the gospel. They went from denial to proclaiming him. Peter went from denial to in the streets preaching the greatest message and winning 3,000 that day. That's the spirit of the living God. And so we can't read these scriptures and think that it won't happen for us. It will happen for us. I believe it because I really believe that the Lord's been putting it on my heart. Nothing can stop the, the river of God. Nothing can stop it. No one can delay the power of his spirit flowing over our lives. The word says he is all-powerful. Nothing can stand against him. That's why we unashamedly hope in him. Delay is not denial. He will flow through your sick body. He will deliver your wayward family. He, will, he is God of all flesh. He's the God of all flesh. Nothing is too difficult for him. He raised the dead. He can change our lives in all areas. Keep believing. Keep asking him for more of his spirit because he promises and he will give it. There are not, these are not empty words. This is the word of the living God. He says, ask. What does he say to us? He said, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, right? Because he says, if you continue to, what man won't give the Holy Spirit, right? What father, if a, if a good man can give you bread, how much more does the father in heaven want to give us the Holy Spirit? That's how much he wants to give him to us. But we have to ask for more. For the earth will be filled, in Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. His people, each of us, declaring his mighty works together in the power of his spirit. Stay in a place of peace and joy. Refuse to be discouraged. Just refuse it. He is the same God for us as he was in David's time, in Moses' time, in Peter and Paul's time. He is the same God. And he will do again what we can't do. He's a covenant-keeping God. 